Hi, this is Matt Wells with Spiritual Media Blog, and today I'm here with Mark Ebinger, author of Connect, What Everyone Wants, What Few of Us Find, and the kicker is it's right there in front of you. Mark, thank you so much for being here with us today. Matt, thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, me too. So, you know, to get started, uh, tell us about your book. What's it about? So uh, my premise is that um, we're already born connected and we've turned away from that connection uh, in some areas of our life, in some aspects of, of our life, out of our own previous hurts, wounds, and fears. So um, I realized for myself, I mean, that was definitely the case. Um, I was you know, disconnected from myself and I protected myself so much from others, I couldn't be connected to them. Uh, and so the book really isn't about how to connect or reconnect, it's really about how to turn back toward the connection that's ever present. So, and it came to me when um, I was on a trip in uh, uh, Singapore and I, was looking up at this building and it was uh, like thousands of um, shimmering metal tiles that moved in the wind. And, and I was watching this like cascade of uh, movement like up this building. And for the longest time I had been looking at photographs that like, what am I taking pictures of? I would look to pour through these photographs and I had all these photographs of cobblestones and brick patterns and ocean waves. Um, I'm right here at the ocean today, right now. And uh, I thought I was seeing like pattern or texture, um, contrast, and then looking up at that building, I said, no, it's, it's connection. Every, that tile at the bottom is connected to the one at the top by everything in between and it's all you know, moving and every one is a piece to the, the greater whole and the, and the whole puzzle. And, uh, and that's when I realized like what I've been seeing is connection, that innate connection. And then I really went to work on it in my own life to, um, you know, see where I had disconnected. And it's still a work in progress, you know, always. Um, figuring out where I um, don't speak up, where I sell myself short, where I, you know, don't say what needs to be said in the moment um, to be like more connected with whoever I'm with or, um, or myself. So uh, that's kind of where the, um, that's why I said what everyone wants, what few of us find and the kicker is it's right there in front of us. I, I love that title, and it's such an important topic these days, connection, and I, I appreciate you being so honest about it. Um, do you have any examples from your own life where you felt disconnected, or, or tell us a little bit more about why connection is so such an important topic to you in your life? Sure. Um, yeah, you know, I think... Uh, um, I think growing up, I just, uh, well, for one, I was never in the present moment. 
that was a big one for me. And if I were uh, speaking with you, my mind would be 10 other places on what I needed to be doing tonight, tomorrow. I was never in the present moment. And you can't be connected, none, none of us can, if you're not in the present moment. And uh, so that's a huge example of, um, again, it was when I was like looking through photographs, uh, old photo albums, and I saw all these um, vacations, uh, holidays, parties, and I looked at the pictures and I thought, well, I'm smiling in them but I wasn't really there. And I thought it made me so sad. I just started bawling, um, realizing that I really hadn't been present for any of it. Wow. And, and my niece, uh, uh, she was, uh, she was just a, uh, like a young teenager at the time when um, she said, you know, I know I love Uncle Mark, but I don't really feel like I know him. Wow. And, and no one did. I didn't know myself and I didn't allow anyone else to know me. Um, and so I really, uh, I, I did a, a project on, um, I think this is when I decided that I really wanted to learn how to connect and, you know, and really work on it. And uh, I was in a development group that um, we were given this project to meditate on what we could be in behalf of for our whole life and not like purport to have the answers or, but to be like on the quest of, um, you know, how can I deepen this? And, and it came to me that um, it was connection. And uh, cause I thought I want this for myself and, you know, and this, and actually in that moment, I, I heard it in my head that it was connection and that I'm going to write a book on it. Wow. And I had never written, and uh, <laughs> I thought that seemed absurd that I was going to write a book on connection. But the more I, you know, learned to connect, and I, you know, and I remembered that uh, calling in my head, I thought, you know, I want to. I'm still learning, but I want to share those learning lessons uh, that I've learned, and you know, uh, methods and exercises to. Uh, for instance, to bring you back into the present moment, so I'm connected with you right now, and um, just all sorts of uh, things that I've learned along the way that I wanted to pass on to other people um, to help them deepen their connections in their life as well. That's great. It sounds like it was a true like moment of serendipity where you realize, like, or one of those aha moments where you're like, "This is what I'm supposed to to do right now." That's great. When when was that? Gosh, um, I think it was five years ago. Okay. And so, you know, what has your life been like since that moment? You know, what have you done to try to connect more with yourself um, or with others? You know, uh, so many of the things that I um, worked on in the beginning are now so automatic. Um, so my life, right? And when you say like, what is my, how is my life different now? I think it's different in that uh, um, I talk about it in the book that I, when I'm actually connected to myself, others, and life, all at the same time, um, I 
feel it and I enter, I call it the slipstream of life where, you know, you're really flowing with life and uh, it's just, it's magic. And uh, um, so that's happening more and more and I'm able to duplicate that um, more often, more quickly when things kind of throw me for a loop and move me out of that slipstream. Um, I can recognize it more quickly. I can recognize which one of the three I'm not um, connected to. For, for me, life is, you know, uh, it could be God to some people or spirituality or nature or the earth or, you know, and so um, I know when that, that aspect is off, you know, sometimes I'm not connected spiritually, but I'm, you know, having great engagements with people or, you know, um, but when those three happen all at once, I can, I can really feel that. So I think to answer your question, I think uh, the difference is um, that happens uh, faster for more often and I get back to that place quicker. That's great. And I really like how you separate that into three functions, like connection to self, others, and life. Could you talk a little bit about each of those? And do you have any advice or suggestions for people on how they can, could connect to those three different parts? Sure. Um, so I think I'll start with life because I think life is probably the easiest for all of us to connect to because um, nature doesn't typically harm us and isn't as threatening as much as other people can, can be. We don't typically get hurt as much by nature. Um, so uh, I think that's the first place that I learned to uh, like um, go for a hike in the mountains and meditate and feel connected to the earth or, or go out in the ocean to where I couldn't touch and suddenly I felt like a part of the whole. Um, so that's the way I view life, and I think maybe that's the easiest, for, you know, for people to begin um, if they're feeling uh, disconnected. Um, and then, you know, all of our primary relationship, all of our our largest relationship, is actually with ourselves. Uh, and gosh, I recognize and s still recognize how. Um, much I've sold myself out or not, you know, not, um, not uh, stuck to my core values or beliefs. Um, and, uh, and lastly, uh, others, you know, I think, um, uh, I'm somebody that likes to be in, in relationships and likes to have people around and friends and, and, uh, but I, again, I realized I was at a point where, um, I was so worried about what other people thought of me that, uh, I never, um, really told them the truth. And I don't mean like a, a lie to, um, how do I explain it? Not a lie to deceive somebody, but 
when somebody asked me a question, I was always thinking, what are they looking for me to say? And I was asked one time, like, what are, what is my reason? Like, what is the motive for doing that? And I said, in order to be loved and liked. Yeah. I mean, it's, again, I appreciate that honesty. I mean, I hear that from other people. I mean, sometimes it takes such vulnerability and courage to really share that core part of ourself. Um, you know, when I hear you, when I, when I hear you talk about that, it reminds me of being authentic and authenticity. Um, how does being authentic and authenticity relate to connecting to yourself and others? Uh, you know, so I, I did uh, several years of uh, personal development work um, with uh, Jan Smith out of Atlanta and her company is called the Center for Authentic Leadership. Oh. And so I, I really have done a lot of work around that specifically um, to, uh, you know, try to um, be more authentic and vulnerable and um, because and, and uh, illustrate the concepts so it isn't just theory you know each each uh, chapter has a really personal story in it to introduce the concept and then ends with an exercise of how to apply it into your own life and the people that have read it have used those words like this is so authentic and so um, vulnerable and yet concrete for this kind of uh, spiritual live your best life uh, you know um, genre um, they've just said it's a, a very relatable and very concrete and very authentic it is yeah um, and then I love how you talk about applying it to your to your life because for some people it seems like authenticity is kind of like a buzzword um, but it doesn't have a whole lot of like substance to it yeah. um, how how do you, how do you apply authenticity to your life, or what advice would you have for other people to be more authentic? Well, you know, I've um, I mean, I've I've been doing so much work around that that for me now, I and I would say this for others as well. I'm I can now, well, basically, when I start getting stuffed up when um, I can't breathe through my nose and I sound really nasally, I can, I just ask myself, where am I not being authentic? Where am I not speaking up? Where am I not having my voice and saying the facticities about what is so? And I'll, there's something there every time <laughs> that I need to go toward. And, uh, you know, uh, I kind of let that be my guide for me personally, um, whether I'm being authentic or not. Um, and you know, there's a, I mean, I think there's a difference between, I mean, it's easy to uh, have, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, I'm sorry. Um, there's a difference between like privacy and secrecy. I mean, we don't have to tell everybody everything but I know when I'm holding something back out of um, being inauthentic and when it's, you know, 
not called for, not necessary. And that brings me to something that I wanted to um, say in this interview. Um, at the time that I was, um, I had finished writing the book and the, I wrote the book within a year, but the edits took um, much longer. <laughs> that was the most time consuming part of the process. And I was nearing the, um, the end of the edits and uh, I divorced Whoa. my husband and we have two kids. We have two twins, boy, girl twins through surrogacy. And I left it out of the book. And this is a, what I was getting at with when I was stumbling a moment ago. So I was telling myself that I left it out of the book because um, it was already done. It's in the final edits. Um, and the exercises all stand. It was all true and valid at the time that I wrote the book. Um, but deeper than that, um, it was my fear of being revealed as an imposter. I thought, you know, here I'm putting this book out on connection and relationships and, you know, connecting with others and yourself. And I didn't, I was afraid that um, saying I'm divorced now is going to discredit the book and the work. And I, I uh, I'm realizing that I was kind of stuck in an old, um, cultural conversation that it's not okay to let relationships end or the form of the relationships to relationship to change. And, uh, it was, it was my own fear of, um, being vulnerable and transparent. And, uh, um, and I tried to pass it off as, you know, Oh, it's, <laughs> you know, the book is done, but really it was, uh, you know, it was my fear of, um, uh, being revealed as an imposter. So, um, anyway, it feels good to, you know, release that. And I can feel my sinuses clearing up <laughs> as we speak. Um, but you know, it's just, uh, I, I, uh, we, I think we just moved too quickly into marriage and I didn't do my due diligence and, uh, you know, there were some, it's a learning, it's a huge learning lesson for me to, uh, not only do I have to, uh, I think we just had some core values and beliefs that were too different, and I really have to honor mine, and also, I can't change someone else's, yeah. you know, I think it just wasn't a fit in that way, in that capacity, but we're actually, um, really great friends now and co-parenting these kids and you know we both love our children and are both in their lives and uh i'm in a new relationship um i have a new partner that uh is really wonderful with my kids and uh, uh tom and mark both get along and uh no it's a um a different uh, different relationships, different kind of family, but uh, I think anything's possible, um, you know, when you put kids first. Yeah, well, again, I really do appreciate that honesty and authenticity. Um, you know, what was it like for you after you wrote the book and then you started to disclose to people, hey, I've written this book on connection 
and I'm also going through a divorce. I mean, those are two really big life events. Um, what was that like for you to have that conversation with people? Uh, you know, it was uh, difficult, but you know, it's it's getting easier. And I think, uh, um, especially with this, you know, with that I've written this book. Um, I mean, what really, what I'm really passionate about, and what really ignites me, is impacting other people's lives. And so, when I can kind of remove myself from the equation and make it not about me, um, and as long as I share my um, you know, mistakes and, uh, you know, in a vulnerable way. Um, I hope it, um, engenders respect instead of what was what I'm learning instead of, um, uh, feeling like an imposter. I think I can actually, you know, um, and, you know, help people to realize, you know, we all have things like this in our lives and, yeah, I, I, I think you're right. And I think people, well, how did, how did people respond? What sort of impact did you notice you had on people when you were telling them about this? You know, it's, it's been really positive. And actually, um, some people that had uh, um, read the book before, um, you know, finding this out, uh, they, they have said that it comes across in the in the book without knowing that, that um, uh, I knew how to build the kind of relationship that I wanted. Um, it's not necessarily what I had, um, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I think it's been really understanding and, you know, and uh, really uh, supportive in that, like, you know, we figured out a way to um, put the kids first and, uh, still be in each other's lives and in their lives. And so really overall, it's been, um, I think my fears were far worse than, <laughs> than the reality. Cause actually the reality has been very supportive. I, that, that's what my guess would be. And I, and I can tell you just my quick thoughts. I mean, I imagine that, you know, makes people, it takes the pressure off people. It makes people feel like, Hey, if you went through this, it's okay that I'm going through that. And I think it's also refreshing too, because a lot of, you know, people who write books in personal development, they try to make it look like they've got, you know, all their shit together. And in reality, like, you know, there are human beings going through a lot of the same struggles and problems that people are going through. And, you know, to know that, you know, someone, you know, like yourself, who's written this book has gone through something challenging in their life, I think that can inspire other people who might be facing similar challenges. Thank you. I think so too. I really, I really agree with that. And you know, life is uh, always in flux, you know, we're always um, learning and growing and changing and you know, n nothing is stagnant and no. Yeah. And, and so from where I am today, well, you know, we'll all be, somewhere very different in 10, five, 10 more years, you know, our lives will change, <laughs> change once again. Yeah. yeah. And you mentioned, you mentioned earlier about growing in a, in a way of being more connected to the present moment. How else have you noticed yourself learn and grow throughout your life? Uh, 
So I um this I think again is relate relating to being in the present moment. I used to have um really horrible anxiety. Huh. And I just had this sort of like um constant sort of buzz of worry and anxiety. And uh I I realized that I was self generating that. And uh, I, I think, I mean, I think I'm answering your question. You said, how else have I grown? Because yeah. you said like about being in the present moment. So uh, I went to work on uh, my anxiety and listed all the ways that I was generating it. And it was actually kind of scary when you lived with, um, some feeling state for so long um, to actually recognize it. And then I sort of had to move in as I ended the anxiety, I just sort of had this like nothingness, this feeling of like, Oh my God, now it's just, there's nothing here. It's just empty. Um, and it was, it was actually scary. Um, because the anxiety, though I didn't like it, was familiar and comfortable in a weird way. Um, yeah. So I, uh, you know, I I then had to think about, okay, what do I want to create in my life? Um, because a lot of the, a lot of, um, even though you know the book is called Connect and it's all about connection, um, I really believe that, you know, we move in the direction of our thoughts and. And we can actually manifest and um, create the life that we want. So uh, when I, as I ended uh, my overwhelming anxiety, I really was like open to what do I want my life to look like? What do I want to create? And uh, yeah, so I'm, you know, much happier. Uh, I can enjoy things much more and and the you know the anxiety and the being in the present moment are it's it's very interrelated yeah absolutely i mean good for you it, it is not easy to overcome anxiety it's something that a lot of people suffer from and deal with um and you said you were self-generating it how are you self-generating the anxiety I had a, I have a whole list of it, and sometimes I still add to it. Um, I would do things like um, run myself late to the airport, and what I really wanted was excitement, but what I was generating was anxiety because they're not like opposites. Um, I would not balance my checkbook uh, to never know exactly how much money I had in my account is the check going to clear or not? It was, it was so silly, but um, it was all these, um, you know, ways that I kept that like uh, buzz or constant of anxiety. Um, and, once, and then, you know, sometimes of course I get, um, and we all get overwhelmed. I still get into overwhelm, but when I, when I do, I, I have to like look at it and be honest with myself and real and, ask myself how much of this am i generating how much of this am i in control of how much of this can i um alleviate because i believe i believe stress is 
really isn't real. It's a, it's a chosen response to a circumstance. Yeah, so we have a lot of control over our response, which can determine our anxiety. Um, so, I mean, this is something that I'm really fascinated with. I, I am a therapist, so when I hear you talk about anxiety, it's very interesting to me. So what helped you to overcome your anxiety, if you don't mind me asking? Um, I think the biggest thing is... Um, since fear, you know, my anxiety was a form of like worry, which is fear based. Yeah. So grounding myself, whenever I feel um, fear, worry or fear, worry and fear are always about a future. They're never about the present. And so I ground myself in that, that I use um, fear and worry as my alarm to ground myself in the present moment. Because if you're in a, if, I can be worried about a fire, but that does absolutely no good. You know, I'm worrying that the house is gonna be on fire. If you're in a fire, you're just gonna move into action anyway. You're, you know, you're just going to have that flight or flight response and you're gonna move into action. So what is the sense worrying about it? So I ground myself in that and I just use fear as my alarm to ground myself in the present. What, what do you, um, I didn't realize that you're a therapist as well. And so how, how do you deal with anxiety with the uh, clients? And um, Well, it, it's a great question. I mean, I typically try to use, take a look at what their thoughts are and to try to help them adjust those. So oftentimes people with anxiety are overestimating the likelihood of a threat or a danger. So I'll get them like you said, in that moment to ask themselves, is there a threat here? Am I in danger? And then if the answer is no, then they can remind themselves of that. There is no threat. I am safe. And then like you said, if there is a threat, well then, you know, their fight or flight response will kick in and they can take appropriate action. Um, but I also do use some grounding exercises, just some, some mindfulness breathing exercises that can really like help you get in the present, activate the parasympathetic nervous system and, and help you stay focused. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so. Awesome. It sounds like there's some similarity to, similarity to that, to what I said, fear is always about the, is always about a future and I use it as my alarm to ground myself in the present. I heard you say something similar in the beginning of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, literally asking yourself, like, right now in this moment, is there any threat to me? And is there is there something to be like afraid of? And usually the answer to that is no. And then you can remind yourself of that. And um, then yeah, use some of the mindfulness breathing exercise to bring you back into that present moment. Um, and that that seems to be a pretty practical exercise. Um, yeah, and I know we, um, if we go into that, um, if our brains go into the fight or flight response, we actually, um, I saw the statistics about how the brain like shuts down, whole, whole areas of the brain aren't accessible. And so our ability to reason is like um, problem solve and come up with other solutions is diminished. 
you're spot on. So, I mean, typically when we feel anxious, our amygdala or the emotional response of our brain like turns on and it overactivates, which actually does shut down our frontal lobe, which is right. the brain in charge of like rational thinking, logical consequences. So again, that's why if you can like logically ask yourself, is there a threat here? Tell yourself, no, there is no threat. That's going to actually activate the frontal lobes, deactivate the emotional response. And it sounds like that's pretty similar to, to some of the exercises you, you do with getting in the present moment. It is. Um, yeah. This, this also brings up another interesting topic that I know you've, you've written about too that I think is really related to anxiety and feeling disconnected is you, you talk a little bit about past trauma and past hurt. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and how that might be related to being disconnected? Sure. Um, uh, so I'll share like a past, like a childhood trauma of mine. And it's, um, so it's from my childhood. I, I guess I want to preface it with, um, I have like no ill will with my parents, my mother at all, you know, I mean, everything was, um, they both um, passed away a couple years ago, um, but we were in a, a really great place uh, when they did. Um, and they, you know, they did the best they could. Um, you know, they had their struggles as we all do. Um, but my mom uh, was uh, bipolar. She suffered from manic depression and uh, she, I describe. I always described uh, my sister in my childhood like a roller coaster ride, um, because you know the highs were so unrealistic high and the lows were so low, and she could scream and cry for hours. And uh, you know, I'd say um, a couple times a week, I'd hear, you know, I wish I wouldn't have had you. I never should have left Germany you kids have ruined my life. Um, and then she would come in those, well, when she was, you know, really okay, and, uh, or in the unrealistic highs, she would come at us with these like, give me a kiss, I love you so much. And I just, I didn't trust it. Um, I never let it in. And so um, as a, I, as an adult as well, I never trusted um, like affection from someone else. Um, I just didn't receive it. And I, I always said I didn't want to look crazy like my mother. And so I slapped a smile across my face and nobody ever, I said no one will ever see me cry, upset, yell, and no one did. And, uh, and later in life, I realized, you know, by chopping off the, I mean, I didn't want to look sad or hurt or cry. I, I kind of feel like our bandwidth of emotions is um, if I cut off the lows, I, I cut off the highs as well. Right. You know, I didn't feel the intensity of, of anything. And uh, um, 
so it, uh, I, you know, I didn't, I, like I said, I didn't really know myself and I didn't, surely didn't let other people know me and I didn't let other people in fully. Yeah. So I did, I'm sorry, go ahead. Good. That's very, very, very well said. You can, I didn't mean to cut you off, go ahead. Well, um, so I remember, um, uh, I was working on metaphors and, uh, I had someone helping me. Um, it, oh, we were supposed to create it for the development group. Um, we were supposed to create a metaphor for how we wanted to see people. And, you know, because to me, people up until that point hadn't been safe. And, uh, they wanted us to find a metaphor where we um, loved uh, differences and diversity. And I said a forest like immediately. And I was thinking about all the different trees and, you know, the, and so they wanted us to see conversation as, or I was challenged to see like all the trees um, swaying in relationship to each other as conversation. And the differences were just, you know, the trees responding to one another. And, um, and it worked, I started to like, you know, it helped me to start getting over my fear of people and differences and, and uh, argument, what I would view as an argument instead of just differences of opinion. And I remember um, a friend Becky saying, what kind of tree would your mother be? And I said immediately, the weeping willow. Oh, that's one of my favorite trees. And that's what she said. And she said, doesn't the weeping willow have a place in your beautiful, diverse forest? And, you know, I said, yes. And she said, um, and my mom was such a worrier. That's where I'm sure where I inherited that. <laughs> she was such a worrier and she was never in the present moment. And so between her and me not trusting her um, affection, telling me that she loved me and wanting to hug me. And, uh, and then the worry, which just uh, irritated me. And I, Becky said, what do you think your mom is trying to um, do with her worry? And I said to, like sarcastically, I said to irritate me. And Becky said, I think she's trying to contribute to your life and she doesn't know another way. Wow. And it never, you know, her worry never uh, bothered me anymore after that, after I saw her intention behind it. That's really, that's really beautiful. I mean, that's a really beautiful way of looking at that. It is. And then, and the other, and then the last really, the biggest breakthrough I had with my mother and consequently it affected every other relationship in my life. Um, we were on her driveway and uh, I had been doing a lot of um, this process where you, it actually like neurologically heals um, uh, childhood traumas, like childhood wounds. Um, you like um, heal, the neuro, heal the neural pathways um, and kind of, I call it like satiate the, um, the old feeling. Yeah. And, uh, 
she it was the first time I was on her I was on her driveway and she went to um, hug me and embrace me and it was the first time that I didn't bristle when she touched me or say yeah right and you know when she said I love you and she hugged me and I let it in and she said I love you and I said I know you do and you always have and it's all, it's all she ever wanted to hear. And uh, really from that moment on, I uh, like really realizing that she was struggling with something. She did the best she could. She always did love me. Um, you know, she had an illness and uh, it affected every uh, relationship from that point forward. Yeah. I what a really touching example of, I mean, talk about being vulnerable and that vulnerability allowing you to feel more connected with her. Is it, did I hear that correctly? Yeah. 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 And I think um, also too, one thing I was hearing you saying is it sounds like one way to be connected is to try to be in touch with some of, you know, our, our sadness or our wounds to, you know, not, over identify with that but acknowledge you know right. you have sadness I, I have gone through some challenging times and to acknowledge that is that did I hear that correctly absolutely yeah um, absolutely that's true yeah and I think that is I do think that is one reason why a lot of people become disconnected is because it's like they don't want to connect with some of their sadness or their pain because it, it's either too painful or other people tell them just be happy, deal with it, suck it up. Or society says, you know, just be, you know, don't be stressed. But I mean, it sounds like for, for you connecting with that part of your humanity was very freeing. Absolutely. It was. Yeah. I think we're all taught that that's like, um, you're not strong if you do that, or you're, um, you know, it's just our society, I think, uh, I mean, I think that's, that's definitely shifting. Um, but I think it, uh, and I think we're afraid if we, it's, you know, tell personal stories that it's going to make people think less of us or pull away from us. And instead, I think it, it just draws them closer. Yeah. And that, and then, like I said, that's why I've, I've shared really personal stories in my book because um, people aren't going to relate on the specific details, but they're going to relate to the emotion or, you know, it's the feeling really, states. Yeah. It's a really powerful way to connect with people is by sharing those stories rather than just telling them, you know, theories and facts. Right. Um, but why, why do you, I mean, a lot of people in our world, especially our country, you know, feel disconnected right now. Um, why do you think that is? Why do you think so many people feel disconnected? You know, um, they say, uh, Disconnection is at an all-time high in our society. Um, and this was long before, uh, you know, the quarantine where people, 
you know, stayed home and, and physically isolated. Um, and I have, there's statistics that it's actually uh, more damaging. Um, loneliness is more dam is more damaging uh, to our health than, um, I think the statistics were, I don't want to misspeak. It was several huge health problems and loneliness um, was uh, more damaging to our health than any of the other ones. Um, and I think it's, uh, I don't know how, I mean, I think it's that, uh, you know, people have turned away from uh, others out of their own hurts and fears. And I think uh, they relied so much on electronic uh, media or electronic, um, you know, communication. And it's, it's a, it, it is a form of connection, but it's a once removed connection that, uh, and, it, you know, people can be less authentic, they can be less real, um, you know, with, uh, with a screen between them or a phone or a, you know, a computer, um, they can, it can be false. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, what advice would you have for them or words of encouragement? Or just, you know, for some people, they like being disconnected. They want to isolate. They don't want to be around people. They don't want to feel connected. I mean, what advice or words of encouragement would you have for them? You know, I think... Uh, Anybody can change. I, I'm a strong believer in that, but you really have to want to. It really has to come from the individual. So I guess my advice to them would be to examine the costs of their life. Um, you know, are they really fulfilled and happy and um, fulfilled? I guess is the is the real is the biggie for me. You know, like. Is that really fulfilling to you? Being living that disconnected, living that once removed. Um, I mean, I have a friend that said uh, that's why she loves Facebook because she can have ten thousand uh, friends, you know, that she doesn't really actually have to physically see or talk to, and you know, she can have an inter some form of interaction and then just close it when she's done and. Um, but I know she's not fulfilled, you know? So I think at some point, I hope people like that will recognize um, the cost of their life and, you know, choose to do something about it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really good way to, to put it. Um, well, we've got, we've got a little bit of time left. Um, was there anything that we didn't, cover that you were hoping to cover or, or anything that you feel like people would be helpful for them to know? Uh, you know, I, I, uh, I just really wish um, everyone uh, deep connection in their life and to recognize the value of it and to really um, go toward it. 
And I think, um, I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm still finding ways that I disconnect from myself. I disconnect from others, but I do think I've, you know, learned some tools um, through the quest for my own connection. And I really um, hope that people would read the book and gain something from it. Um, because uh, I think love is available to all of us, you know, and uh, you can connect with the person next door on the street in the grocery store, you know, um, just do it with whoever is right in front of you, because really connection is right there in front of all of us. It's That's great. my wish. That's my wish. Just, uh, to foster connection in others um, and uh, for people to live a, a fulfilling life of their dreams. That's, that's wonderful. And you're right. That is so true. And, you know, every day we have a chance to connect to someone, even if it's just, you know, smiling at a person crossing the street or a random act of kindness. It's uh, such a powerful way to lift other people up. Um, and so, and so speaking, speaking of connection, if people want to connect with you, what's the best way for people to connect with you and find your book, buy your book? Thank you. Yeah. So, um, I'm on Instagram under Mark Ebinger books and Facebook, Mark Ebinger books. And, uh, uh, and then there's an email address for the book. Um, uh, Mark Ebinger books at gmail.com and uh, it's available on Kindle, Amazon and, and other uh, online retailers and physical bookstores and uh, it's available in all three formats, ebook, softcover and hardcover and actually I have um, I chose a water image um, because again I uh, when I was looking out at like pictures I took of waves, I realized that I was, uh, you know, I was like, why do I keep staring at the ocean? And it's because again, I was looking that this wave is connected to this wave by everything in between. And it's all like, you know, interconnected and moving and you can't remove any one. I like that. That's a great, that's a great. Yeah, so that's why I chose that image, but it's available in hardcover, softcover. And uh, like I said, ebook format as well. That's great. And I'll I'll put all of those um, when I write put this on my blog. I'll put all of those there so people can have those links um, and find it real easy. Oh, awesome! Um, Thank you so much, Matt. Yeah. Well, Mark, it has truly been a joy, and I appreciate so much your authenticity and willingness to you know share what you've learned with our audience. Um, Thank you so much for, for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. And you uh, provide such a valuable service. And I love reading, reading all of your stuff. It's, oh, well, it's truly great. My, I appreciate being a part of it. Oh, well, it's my, my pleasure. Um, well, like I said, this is, this is Matt Welsh with Spiritual Medium Blog. And today I've been had the honor and pleasure to be with Mark Ebinger, author of what everyone wants, what few of us find, and the kicker is it's right there in front of you. Mark, thanks again so much for being here with us today. Thank you. Appreciate it.